Hey everyone, welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian, joined by Pastor Ross. Ross, today we're in week number five of our series that we're calling The Jesus Way, where we're going through the six antitheses of Jesus in Matthew chapter five. And today we're going to title this one, How to Be the Bigger Person, The Jesus Way, because we're running into this section of scripture that, and we'll get into this, Ross, but some people have misinterpreted over the years to think that that Jesus is talking about um, being walked all over and being yeah. a pacifist and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a challenging passage because the implications of it um, could be pretty tough. I mean, it, even it, even without the misinterpretations, he's really calling us to some really challenging perspective about life and relationships. Yeah, and before I read the text, it's in Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 38. I, I guess the good question is, Ross, maybe we can answer this right now. How do you react to to people who want to take from you your dignity, or they want to take from you your your money, or your freedom? Like, what is your initial gut reaction to that as a human being? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Uh, most of us are probably going to resist and and you know take a stand for ourselves or whatever. Which raises another related question: What does it mean to be weak or strong? Mm. In a, in a difficult situation like that? What's, who is really the weaker? Who is really the stronger person? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you could answer it with either fight or flight. Some people yeah. are going to fight. They're going to get their hackles up, and they're going to want to go after it. Uh, my dad did that when his work truck was robbed. He was having lunch sitting there. In, he could see the work truck. It got robbed um, while he was watching, so he runs out there and literally almost killed himself trying to apprehend the guy. But right, that that gets us. He even as he recounted the story to me, my dad said it just makes me mad thinking about it. Right, because there's something in us that says that's not right, that's not fair, that's sh- it shouldn't be that way. Right, and I mean it's hard to separate that some that sense of justice. The challenge is it's hard to separate that from our own like what we think we are owed or we think we deserve. Hmm. Like that was wrong on an objective level. But we, we think that was wrong because I was wronged, and it, I didn't like it, mm-hmm. and it went against you know my values, what I, I want to profit from a situation or whatever. And then we're going to see also we have to understand the difference between you know seeing justice done um, legally by the institutional system that's set up versus what does it mean for a person to take that law in their, into their own hands. Okay, so I think we've set people up appropriately to be really confused now yep. by what Jesus has to say in the fifth antithesis in Matthew 5. Starting in verse 38, he says, You've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say, and here's what Jesus has to say about it, and this is what we're going to spend this episode breaking down. He says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. And again, we're all thinking, what? We're not supposed to resist an evil person? He says, and then he gives four examples. He says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Number two, if you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat also. Number three, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. And number four, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those 
who want to borrow. All right, so now what we're going to do today is we're going to break down each of these four. It's it's like Jesus is giving four really concrete examples, that, and we're going to call this examples of how to be the bigger person. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking here, as you said, Ross, we're talking about a lot of this is sort of interpersonal. How do you deal with something in in your private life? It's not it's not the court of law per se, even though maybe one of the examples sounds like that. He's really talking about how we how we as Christians should interact with the watching world, and it's something called it's coming from what's called the lex talionis. So, Ross, would you explain what do those words mean? It's from the Old Testament. Because we can't really understand what Jesus is talking about if we don't understand that. Yeah, that's a Latin phrase. It's referring to what's been called the law of retribution. So Jesus says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. And that's, that's essentially what this law of retribution was. And we've all heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We've all heard that's in our culture. And which, which means if, if you poke my eye out, it's only fair that I can poke your eye out. Right, or you're going to forfeit an eye. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, if you, yeah, so if you knock my tooth out, I can knock then your you tooth out. Forfeit a tooth, yeah. but not exactly, Brian. Not exactly, <laughs> Brian, because this is this law is given in a judicial setting. Mm-hmm. So if you knock my my eye out, the court can knock your eye out. Mm. Or if you knock my tooth out, then the judge could say, "Here's the sentence for that. You lose a tooth." Yeah, and so so, but but your impulse, your your nat- natural response was to think of it in terms of a personal retribution, right. and that's exactly what happened. Mm. So Jesus wasn't saying, you know, you'll notice that what he takes this law that governed Israel, this was in the law code, the criminal code of Israel, and all the examples that he gives have to do with interpersonal type of situations. And so he says, so he's not saying, that this law isn't helpful or doesn't have its place, but he's saying it was inappropriate to take this to take this law and then appropriate it for apply it to personal situations. So, so he's not saying the law gives you the right as an individual to go get retribution for something that's been that, that's been done to you that wronged you. And that's the idea of being the bigger person. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to go after your eye. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go after your tooth. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting background on this, though, this really is a law that was designed to promote justice, because what would happen is that often in the ancient world, the punishment was far more egregious than the crime. Mm. The, if you knocked out somebody's eye, you know you might lose both of your eyes, or you might lose some, your hands, or whatever it might have been. And so, this is really saying that no, this is a restraint on punishment or a restraint on retribution, that's why it's called the law of retribution, to say you can't go punish a person in a way that goes way, way beyond um, the, the, the level of the crime. Yeah, and our, uh, one example in modern vernacular is cruel and unusual punishment, right? The, even in our court system, we have similar rules. That's kind of the whole idea, is we, we want the punishment to be fitting. Right. And we don't want the punishment to be overboard. Right. It should the, fit the crime. But the problem, the problem, and this is, let me read it straight from Expositor's Bible Commentary. I like how they said it. It's, here's, how, here's how they describe this. The Old Testament prescription of the lex talionis was, given, was not given to foster vengeance, like you said, 
but instead to decisively terminate vendettas. That's the whole point, is we're trying to terminate. Because the law is given, we don't have to have all these vendettas out in, out in culture. Right, which always escalate, right? Right. You know, the, the, the Hatfields and McCoys. is going to be greater than whatever the offense, and then that's going to then the response of that's going to be greater than than that response yeah. and it's just going to escalate out of control and, and that's get, that's designed to for that not to happen the problem though the trouble is that a law designed to limit retaliation which this was and to punish fairly which this was could be appealed to as justification for vindictiveness which is what you're saying is what had happened over time and it's easy to see how this could happen is, is now they would take the eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth concept. They missed what it was really pointing to. They missed what, what, God, was, what God had given it for. Remember, the, what was written wasn't bad. Remember, Jesus isn't saying it is written, this thing. What he's saying is you've heard that it, that, is, that it is said. In other words, he's not calling into question what was written, the lex talionis. He's calling into question the interpretation from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and not just them, just from people. Just from people in general. Yeah, yeah. your human, your human nature, just is going to bring you in a certain direction. This is what we're saying: is by your nature, you're not going to be the better person. Your nature is to get revenge. Your nature mm-hmm. is to make them pay. Right. right, and and along with that, our nature is to find justification to do that, mm. and that's how this law was being used. Say, oh, see. An eye for an eye, you owe me. You know, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my vengeance on you. Okay, so with that in mind, Jesus gives these four examples, and we're gonna break these down one by one and really try to apply them to our lives as far as being the bigger person as a Christian. And I want to encourage all the listeners to think about someone in your life right now. Maybe you're already thinking about it. Someone that you kind of want to pay back, someone that you you know you do have a problem with, and and maybe apply what Jesus says to that situation. Number one, Jesus is saying first of all, learn to take an insult when you want to hit back. Right, that's what he means when he says, "But I say to you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Ross, this isn't talking about taking a punch, is it? This is talking about taking an insult. Right. The issue is not really the physical damage as much as the, the, the sense of the shame or whatever that goes with the insult. So to slap someone across the face. And there's still a sense of that even in our culture today, that when someone's out of line, someone might go just slap them. Mm. You know? and, and, and again, it's not, it's not the physical injury. It's, the way of, it's a put-down. Hmm. Right, so the insult—it's really a, a, a taking away your dignity, putting you in your place, all those things that we would describe, you know, kind of the emotional um, aspect of it more than the physical. Well, yeah, we saw this—we saw this recently, right, with Will Smith, and uh, so that—that's what probably everybody's thinking of right now. But it was actually worse than that. What Jesus is describing is worse than that because, do the math here. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, if, you, if people can visualize this, and they're right-handed, which most people are, then the inference is that they backhanded you. They slapped you with the back of their hand, not with the front of their, not with an open hand, which in Jesus's day was even more offensive right. than slapping someone with the open hand. It was a right. backhanded slap. That was So it's almost a little bit of hyperbole here that Jesus is going for saying someone really, really insulted you. Yeah. yeah. And so what should you do? 
Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. What should you? So what would people expect to do? You know, hit him back, right? Or insult him back, or mm-hmm. or stand up for yourself? Yeah. You know, not take that. Not take that from anybody. You know, it's interesting in our even in our lexicon today, we still talk about like a backhanded yeah ploy or a backhanded action yep. as being that kind of dirty thing that somebody did to you. You know, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. And so let's go back to the Old Testament, Leviticus nineteen. Verses 17 and 18, it says, Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you won't be held guilty for their sin. Don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It's like he's appealing to himself. I am the Lord. It's kind of like when when your parents told you to do something you didn't want to do, you'd say, why? Why? Because I told you so. Because I'm the dad. Because I'm the dad. Yep. And God is saying, I'm the Lord. Here's how I want it to be for you. I, I, I've always find it interesting to find in these ancient scriptures stuff that we can still read in, in books today about how to do interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. He, says, he says, confront someone directly. Don't just insult them back. Don't insult right. them back. Right. S- stand in there. Take the insult. You need to have thick skin. Don't retaliate. That's what Jesus is saying. This is the ideal for Christians. Wouldn't it be great if this is how Christians acted? It would, it would defuse a lot of situations that would otherwise escalate. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, boom, there's no, long, there's no longer an issue anymore. You know? It would just totally take the wind out of the sails of that, you know, of that conflict. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Jesus is saying to be a blessing when you have every right not to be. What that means is just because you can win in court doesn't mean that you always have to go there. <laughs> so yeah. he says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Okay, we need a little bit of explanation here, Ross. What's going on? So, well, first of all, the, um, first of all, let's talk about ancient fashion, right? So um, <laughs> the cloak you know, was in, it would be analogous to a coat. You, coat, you wear your outer garment. The tunic would be analogous to your shirt. It was, you know, if you imagine, uh, it was what people wore against their skin. They're going to have like a loincloth, like a like a pair of shorts on, and then they're going to have this tunic on uh, to cover their upper torso and into their lower legs and stuff. And so, but on top of that, you know, you have a cloak that you wear. It's a colder day or, you know, it's it's your outer garment. And so, I don't know. If someone wants to shirt off your back would be the closest way mm. to think about it. They want your tunic, your basic shirt. Then he says, well, you know, don't just stop there. Give them your, you know, give them your, your, uh, your puffer jacket <laughs> as well, you mm-hmm. know, or, or whatever uh, the analogy would be. But it's even, he's even saying something more, I think some, he's talking about this at a level that most of us can't understand because in their day, it's not like they had, a bunch of puffer jackets. It's not like they had a right. bunch of cloaks, a li- just a wardrobe of cloaks like we have today. No big deal. You give someone your coat, you go get another one. Right. You have probably five more back right. at home. Totally. That's not how it was for them. So this really, what this really did grab people's attention, because your instinct is to say, "No, you can't have my shirt," and he says, "No, I want you to actually give them more than your shirt." Right. And partly it reflects a couple things here, Brian. But partly it reflects. The level of affluence of the average person, right? They, they didn't have, like you said, ten coats. They didn't have ten shirts, 
And so to go after a guy's shirt in court, that's because the guy maybe didn't have any other assets to, to mm. go to take. And so, um, so it's pretty, it's kind of a pretty serious um, attack in a way. Someone wants to take away your basic bodily needs. But, but then in the Old Testament too, the cloak, you, you, didn't, you didn't have the right to take someone's cloak, mm-hmm. to take it from them. It was so important because it's maybe the only shelter that a poor person had to sleep in at night. You know, you're taking away the sleeping bag from a homeless person mm. by analogy. And so you had, you had every right. The, the, the law required you could take a cloak as security against a debt, but you had to give it back every night, you know. So you couldn't take it permanently or possess it permanently from that other person. And so, you know, if if he comes after your shirt, it's because he's not allowed in the court to to come after your cloak, which is probably worth more and more valuable and so forth. And, but Jesus is saying, well, give him just give him the cloak. Hmm. So you're right. You don't have you have a right to keep your cloak. But he says, be this way. We we're talking about being the bigger person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, Jesus is employing, as he has in a lot of these, he's employing hyperbole to get people's attention to say, this is a new way. The Jesus way is a new way. This is a new way to do relationships. This is a new way to look at the world. This is a new way to look at life. And I think uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21, really articulates it well. Yeah. It says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. So Jesus modeled this in his, mm-hmm. in his life. Yep. It's, Peter says, he's your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned. He didn't deceive anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. And then Peter says this, this final thing here in verse 23. He says, Jesus left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. And that's kind of what Jesus what Jesus is getting at here in Matthew 5, is don't try to take everything into your hands and try to get justice for yourself all the time. Part of this is just trusting, trusting in God. Right, that, and that's what allows us to be the bigger person, or to take the high road, or however you want to frame that, um, is because we know that ultimately... Our care is in God's hands. God can provide another cloak or coat. God, God's the one who establishes our dignity and our, you know, worth as a person, not other people's, you know, praise or insults. And in each case, each of these four cases, as we move forward, we see that really one of the factors that allows us to be even be able to respond in this really countercultural way that goes against the grain is because we can trust God with the situation. Yeah. We trust God to take care of our needs. Yeah, the word for that is security, and the opposite of that is insecurity. Mm-hmm. So what does an insecure person do when they're insulted? They want to insult back right? because something was taken from them and they feel insecure. Right, they feel like they've been diminished somehow. Yeah, yeah. But, Je- but Jesus was the most secure person to ever walk the earth. Yeah, he was insulted tr- terribly. Yeah. You know? It just railed insults upon him on the cross. and. Yeah leading up to the cross, but he didn't retaliate. Yeah, he didn't threaten revenge, which he could have. Mm-hmm. He just suffered. He, he took it, and he suffered. He left his case to God. Jesus understood the bigger picture, so he didn't react to the little 
mini stories in the bigger picture, right. which is what Jesus is calling us to do. Hey, take a take a larger view of this. And I think in American particular, this is true anytime, but but this is really valuable for us to think about as Christians today, who we can get really territorial and we can demand our rights and we can demand we can try to control, especially in our culture today, we, ha- we have this illusion of control. We feel like we have it all. We-, we have it all at our fingertips. So how much more is this applicable to us as Christians today? I think Jesus really wants us to hear what he's saying here. Yeah, for sure, because it is so countercultural and so against the grain of what we might, like, we, like you said at the beginning, what's your instinct mm-hmm. when something like this happens? And my instinct is not the way that Jesus has laid it out. Here's mm-hmm. the opposite of that. Okay, so here's his third thing. He says to go the extra mile when you get a tough assignment. And that we've probably all used that cliche before. It actually comes from this passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes from Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the extra mile. Go with them two miles. What What's going on here? What is Jesus referring to here? Yeah, this is a, there was a legal, in the Roman Empire... It was called impressment, the, the Roman authority that he mentions a soldier, if the soldier forces you to go one mile. So the soldier could come along at any time and, and draft an uh, average citizen into service for you know, a certain, a thousand steps was, that's mm. where we get the idea of a, the name for a mile, because it's related to a thousand in, in, in Latin. Um, a thousand steps, and you had to do it. So it could be carrying his pack his stuff it could be it could be working on you know a road project or uh, manual labor of some kind the biblical example that we see is when jesus on the way to the cross uh, the roman soldiers impressed simon of cyrene to carry the cross simon wasn't there for that purpose he just got picked and boom suddenly now you got to do this labor and so so jesus is saying look this is this is probably going to happen within a roman empire you're an ordinary citizen. You've seen it happen to other people. Could very well happen to you. How are you going to respond to that when somebody gives you this tough assignment? You don't really have a choice about it, but you do have a choice about what your attitude will be and how you'll respond to that assignment, whether it's from a Roman soldier or from your boss or whoever. And he's literally saying the attitude you should have is you shouldn't just go the first mile. You should be willing to go the extra mile, which has implications, right? So the implication is typically if you go if by law you he can make you go a thousand feet, you go a mile. Now a thousand steps. Now when you're done, he has to impress another civilian to go the next mile. And Jesus is saying, No, you just go the second mile. Let someone else off the hook. Right. Yeah. Right. Let someone else Yeah. So again, being the bigger person is like, okay, I can I can absorb this. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can take the the brunt of this, so somebody else doesn't have to. I don't. I don't have to. Again, it's about a lot of the this thread running through this is what what is. I feel like are my natural rights in a situation. Mm-hmm. I might have a right to keep my cloak. I might have a right, you know, to to re-insult somebody who insulted me. Mm-hmm. Or I might have a right, certainly, to only do one mile. But I'm not just going to motivated by what I can do or have to do, there's this motive that says I'm willing to go above and beyond mm-hmm. for this greater picture, right? This mm-hmm. greater reality. All right, one more. The fourth example Jesus gives 
he's teaching this to be generous when you find someone in need. He says, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And so Jesus now brings it to this, you know, we've, we've talked about it being insulted and we've talked about some other examples. Now we're, we're bringing it, it's now, now he's bringing it to the financial sphere here. He's talking about money. You've got, you know, I look at this, I think, well, you know what, there's those kind of obnoxious people in everybody's life. You know, they're kind of takers, they're kind of like uh, the kind of people you go like, oh, here they come again, you mm. know, and um, so how do we deal with these obnoxious people who are just, you know, who, who don't seem to be able to look beyond themselves, they're kind of egotistical, they're kind of like very needy, and, and, and they don't have the ability to empathize with somebody else, and here they come again, they're going to ask me again. And this, in this case, it's, it's for money. You know, so what are we going to do with that? And Jesus says, give it to him. Don't, don't, don't get annoyed with him and turn him away. I know exactly what you're talking about, Ross. I'm not going to name names. But I wasn't thinking about that. That's a great example of this. But my first thought when I read this is the, is the person out on the street who's asking for money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think there's a couple responses to that. Some people just get annoyed and... And say you're you're probably gonna drive go around the corner and drive away in your Lexus, you know? yeah. Because <laughs> you hear stories like that. You yeah. know, this is tax free money for you, and go get a job. That's my instinct. Yeah, or you're gonna go spend it on alcohol yeah. or something and ruin right. your life. Why should I contribute to that? Yeah, I was in Seattle one time with a couple of executive leaders for an organization. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you first names, Dan and Jimmy, just so you can follow the story. And a, and a guy came up, we got out of the car, we were going to have a nice dinner somewhere down in Seattle, and a guy comes up to us um, and asks for some, asks for 10 bucks. And I remember Jimmy's response, no, sorry, Dan's response was, no, dude, and he just walked right past him, didn't give him the time of day. And Jimmy stopped, these guys are both executives, Jimmy stopped and talked with him for probably 15 or 20 minutes and just really engaged with him, heard his story. Turns out he's a return vet um, and just loved this guy and shared Jesus with the guy. The guy was already a Christian, so then he just prayed with him, Mm -hmm. and he gave him 20 bucks. And when we walked, I remember the whole time for those 15 or 20 minutes, the whole time Dan was saying, come on. He was mocking Jimmy for being a sucker and for being reeled in by this guy. And as we walked away, he was still mocking his, and these were two buddies, you know, they, they loved each other so they could, they could jab each other. And you could see the two perspectives. I remember watching that thinking, who am I more like here? Mm, and I have, to, I have to admit, I was more like Dan. Now I might not have said it, it might not have come out. I wasn't right. as brazen as Dan yeah. was to say those things, but that's probably what was going on in my heart. I probably thought more the way Dan spoke than the way Jimmy interacted with the guy. It was really convicting to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I read this passage, I think Jesus is saying, be like Jimmy, don't be like Dan. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's challenging because money has a place. Jesus pointed out you know, many uh, more than once how money is so connected to our heart and what we value so much. And, and so you know, money can be really tough. But this is a this is he's really picking up on a thread that's through the whole Bible, the whole Old Testament, right? The whole um, the whole ethic of being kind and generous to people who don't have 
much, you know, to the to the poor, to the needy. Um, and the and the Old Testament set up a bunch of of ways for people to express that. Yeah, Deuteronomy 15, starting in verse 7, says this. I love this passage. Think about this passage next time you encounter someone on the streets who's asking for money. He says, But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, he says, Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. These are, these are adjectives that describe Jimmy, not Dan. He said, Instead, be generous. Sorry, th- those explain those describe Dan, not Jimmy. I'm right. getting confused with right. my names here. He says, instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. That's what Jimmy did. Do not be mean-spirited. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was Dan. Yep. And refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand, right? So that's kind of a whole thing in the yeah. Old Testament. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. He says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. And, you know, Jimmy... Jimmy wasn't tight-fisted, he wasn't hard-hearted, he wasn't meat-spirited, he wasn't grudging at all. Mm-hmm. He gave that 20 bucks to the guy, and even as he was mocked by his buddy walking away, I remember, I'll never forget what Jimmy said. He said, you know what? God calls me to be generous. If he goes and spends it on booze, oh well. That's right, that's between, that's between him and yeah, God. Yeah, right? he said, I did my part. I, can, I, I, I feel like God let, called me to be generous, which is what Jesus is saying here. And so he says, I'm going to do it. It's interesting. It says at the end of this passage, it says, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. It's interesting. It doesn't say, then the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. It says, for the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. So the the idea here in this passage in Deuteronomy is God is going to bless you. God's bringing you into the promised land. He's going to bless you. He's whether you see it or not, whether you acknowledge them as blessings or not, God's already determined he's going to bless you. You're his child. You're his son or his daughter. Don't don't do all this so that you'll get something from God. Do all this because this is God's heart toward you. Right. And God and God knowing that God will bless means that I I I know that I'm gonna have plenty to give away. I'm gonna have I can give away what he blesses me with. And again, that goes back to what we talked about earlier in Second Peter in First Peter chapter two about where Jesus entrusted himself to God for you know, his own suffering situation. So here, can I trust God if I give 20 bucks away to somebody or if I, if I loan somebody money and they never pay it back or whatever? Should I, can I trust God with that, that God will provide? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting, the Matthew passage in, in, this, in the antithesis section of the Sermon on the Mount ends with, at the end of chapter 5, it ends with, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But the Luke passage coming out of this same thing, Luke 6, 36, ends a little differently. It's in, it says, you must be compassionate as your Father is compassionate. Yeah, that is interesting. And yeah. so Jesus is saying, I want you to be compassionate because that's how God is. God's, God is compassionate, and so we should also be compassionate. So those are the four things that Jesus is calling us to, to be the bigger person. Let me just review them one more time. Number one, take an insult when you want to hit back. Number two, be a blessing when you have every right not to be. Number three, go the extra mile, literally go the extra mile when you get a tough assignment. And number four, be generous when you find someone in need. So like we said at the beginning, Ross, this goes against every fiber in our body. We, this is not how we're naturally wi- wired to go. I could imagine some people are listening to this podcast, maybe a little discouraged after this because they thought, well, maybe this was all just... This Jesus doesn't saying to actually do any of these things, 
right? Maybe maybe there's a point at the end of this, and he's it's going to be an old, you know, kind of a sleight of hand trick. No, Jesus is actually saying, "I want yeah. you to be different." Yeah, and he's how, serious about it. Yeah. So so how, for the person who's listening, how does Jesus expect us to be able to do this when it goes against our nature? It does go against our nature. It goes against the culture around us. Culture says, "Hey, if you uh, if you don't retaliate, you're a weak person." Where Jesus is essentially saying, if you don't retaliate, you're the stronger person. You're the bigger person, as we've said. But it's really impossible unless God does a work in our life. Mm-hmm. We have to draw on his, on his life-transforming power in us through the Holy Spirit. To, in order to live a new kind of life, we have to live out of a new nature that, that God puts in us when we come to follow mm-hmm. Jesus couple of scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about this promised new nature that someday would come to come to me. Write these down. I would encourage people to write these down. These are two of my favorite passages from the Old Testament. Two prophets, one Jeremiah, the other Ezekiel, where and God is speaking through them about this future day when we would have this new nature. Jeremiah 31, verse 33. This is the new covenant I'll make with the people of Israel after those days says the Lord, I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So the lex talionis, Jesus is saying, the real heart, not just that, but all these antitheses that we're studying. I'm going to put this that was misinterpreted by the Pharisees. I'm going to put the law in and, and the, because the law is good. The law is not yeah, bad. The law yeah. is good. I'm going to put the law on your heart so that you'll live this out from the inside out. You'll live this out from this new nature. And Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 26, says this, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, which I think most of us can admit we have, Mm, and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart, which is what he's describing here. Only someone with a tender, responsive heart can be the bigger person in all these situations. He says, I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Yeah, so it, isn't it encouraging? Jesus doesn't set up just set up this impossible standard. And you look at all the antitheses, we've looked at all the ones so far, and they all seem like, wow, you know, he's calling for a change of heart, change of motive in how I interact with, with people that I maybe uh, am angry with or, or interact with the members of the opposite sex or uh, all these different things. That, that's so challenging where does that come from? How can I change my inner being, as we've talked in the series about what's below the surface? How can I change what's below the surface? Well, this is God has given us, graciously given us the resources to bring about that change in us as we trust in Him. And if you're listening today and you've never responded in faith to Jesus, that's how you start. You yeah. start a relationship with God by by trusting in him for salvation, and then his whole, uh, then all this stuff can happen. Then this new nature comes, and the Holy Spirit moves you from the inside out. But it starts with trusting in Jesus for salvation. If you've never done that before, I encourage you to check out the resources online at pursuegod.org forward slash start, and you can learn about how to how to come to Jesus in faith, maybe go over that topic with a, with a mentor or a family member or a friend. And if you want to talk about this lesson, lesson number five, the Jesus way of being the bigger person, if you want to talk about this with your family, your small group, or your mentor, 
You can find all of it at pursuegod.org forward slash Jesus way. Again, this is lesson five. And then I hope you'll join us next week because we're going to wrap up this series next week with lesson number six, where Jesus teaches us to love our enemies. We'll see you then.